0: That's right. It's time. You're on Cruise Control, your on-air automotive magazine with Fred Staub and Les Jackson here to bring you the latest, the greatest automotive news and information, Les. We've got a lot of stuff going on, some uh, new models potentially coming up. We're going to talk some tech and we're going to talk about one of the most popular American vehicles ever made. How's that sound? That sounds good.
1: And when people would think there's nothing going on in the car industry, well, there is. You know, just because the factories are shut down doesn't mean that the designers and the engineers aren't working hard.
0: That's right. And things are changing. Will the car buying process change forever? A lot of dealers say yes. I believe that. Uh, I'm seeing, you know, we'll
1: deliver the car to you. You can buy online. Anyway, we'll talk about it. And diesel as as a no-cost option. I know your, your eyes just lit up. Uh, yes, it's true when it comes to Cadillac. And speaking of GM luxury brand, could performance station wagons be headed back? I hope so.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of talk about that. Uh, One of the Cadillac executives was talking about that during an interview. We'll tell you about that. And the coronavirus is canceling or delaying the reveals of new models from Jeep, Acura, and Hummer. We'll tell you about some of the things that are delayed and some of the things that are coming up.
1: That's right. And talking tech, which we will do this hour
0: with this time, cars that give themselves a self-diagnosis. I believe you should take two of these and see me in the garage later. Yes, um,
1: and whatever
0: you do, don't cough. Yeah, and it's sold in 146 countries with 12 current models in production. It's celebrating a 56, its 56th 56 birthday. So what is it? Well, it's the Ford Mustang, and uh, we're going to have the Ford Heritage and Brand Manager join us. Talk about some Mustang trivia and some interesting bits from behind the scenes at the Blue Oval.
1: Yes, indeed. I was there with my buddies in college at the dealerships waiting in line to come in and look at the Mustangs. Wow. <clears throat> on April 14th, 56 years ago.
0: Now, was it everything you expected? I mean, back then, before photography and television, less. <laughs> uh <laughs> did you have any idea were there anything like spy photos coming out or or no. silhouettes no or was I mean, it there like
1: were, there's you there did... were some drawings that you know that you could find mm-hmm. but um on, and everybody on... knew it was going to be young and sporty but when we walked in we just thought wow this thing is
0: so cool and that you found that on the diesel-powered internet back then uh Uh, Well, it was hand crank. Hand crank. All right. (laughs) Well, we appreciate you listening to Cruise Control Radio. Check us out at cruisecontrolradio.com. You can link over to Facebook and all the rest of it. I'm Fred Staub. He's Les Jackson. We'll be right back. Listen to the live feed of Cruise Control Radio every Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern. Go to www.cruisecontrolradio.com to find out how to do it.
1: Cruise Control. Welcome back to Cruise Control. Listen, Fred, at the wheel of the van. We uh, we're going to talk about the car buying experience these days because of the shutdowns all over the country, but it's it's opened up a completely different way of buying cars for people. And frankly, I think you'll agree, Fred, people like it.
0: Yeah, I think people, you and I have done stories about this on Cruise Control, that people were looking for a complete way, new way of buying cars. It typically involves driving to the dealership, finding a car you want. Then there's the silly dance back and forth. Let me talk to my manager. I don't know what I can do, you know. Uh, and then, okay, you'd come to a price and you sit there for three hours doing paperwork, and some guy tries to tell you, sell you Scotch Guard for your leather seats, <laughs> you know, or rust. And, and
1: undercoating, which actually voids the factory warranty.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I think a lot of people, A, don't have time for that. They don't want to be in, in a public space that much. Uh, They're used to ordering things online and they show up and many big things too. They order many big things online. Um, The used car uh, market, of course, has seen Vroom and Carvana where they bring the the vehicle to you on a flatbed. Uh, So I think this uh, will be a major change in the automotive world. Uh, They don't want to go in, and there's the guy in the shiny suit with the pinky rings and doing all the sales tricks and that. Uh, uh, This article comes from the Detroit Free Press. They spoke with a few large dealership groups, and uh, all of them acknowledge the business model has to change and change fast. And they feel 80 to 90% of U.S. new car dealers will be fully e-commerce capable by the end of the year. I
1: agree. Uh, Everywhere, uh, when I'm watching local TV, uh, there are car ads from all the dealerships advertising no-touch transactions. Yep. Uh, We'll bring it to you. Now, how you're doing the paperwork, I'm not sure. Um, And, of course, I don't know how you trade in your old car. Right. But... But they'll work that out. Uh, but the fact is, people really, really respond to it.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think... I mean, I've always felt that buying a car should be a fun experience, right? It's like buying, it should be. buying yeah. anything else. When I buy electronics, though, I buy it online, you know? And I, uh, Or even if you go to a store, it's not a high-pressure thing. I remember when I bought a TV, they... They said, oh, well, here's a guy that knows Samsung, here's a guy that knows LG, and then here's a guy that knows some other brand, right? And they mm-hmm. all just talked to me about what it was. Nobody said, you know, uh, can I get your business today or you better buy it soon. They are like, let me know if you have any more questions. So perhaps what you need is no more commission-based sales. You just have sales advisors, sort of like what Saturn w- you wanted to do. Guy there in a the shirt, and he says, uh, hey, I, if you have any questions on this car, maybe it's done over Zoom or something like that. If you have any questions on this car, uh, you know, or maybe they do a virtual walk around with the car, uh, maybe you're going to virtually drive it. Who knows down the line? But I don't think they want to go in and spend three or four hours, you know, uh, can I get your business today? Uh, I don't know what my manager thinks. I have to talk to them. And then here comes the, the, you think you're done. Here comes the F and I guy trying to pressure you into buying stuff you don't need, <clears throat> you know, and the whole game of everyone running around yeah, and, extended warranty, extended warranty stuff. You don't need, you know, um, and I don't think anyone has time for that or do, they don't want the show, you know?
1: Well, My dad has, right. a, has a
0: saying for what that stuff is, but I can't say it on air. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, I think there are people who really enjoy the negotiating process and all that. Well, okay, you can do
0: that. They can pay extra for an in-person sales yeah. experience. Go, yeah,
1: go on in if you want. But most people don't want to do that.
0: No. I mean, it's uncomfortable. Uh, and it shouldn't, it shouldn't be there. It should be, you know... That's the price, you know, I think.
1: That's right. And of course, uh, I don't know if you've been with anyone in the past 30 years uh, going with them to buy a car. I have. And of course, what happens to me is I start getting hostile (laughs) and I tell the salesman, you know, you better stop now. There's I know more than anyone in this entire building does about the cars (laughs) And, and I'm going to refute everything you say. So let's just get down to, to business here.
0: Like the guy that told me, hey, this car has no distributor because it's fuel injected. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. All right. We'll be right back on Cruise Control Radio, your on air automotive magazine. We're just getting started. Fred Staub, Les Jackson. Stay tuned. For the latest updates on Cruise Control, follow us on Twitter at CruiseControlRad. That's C-R-U-I-S-E-C-T-R-L-R-A-D. Cruise Control Rad. Cruise Control. And welcome back. Something for nothing. Ooh, we love it here at Cruise Control. Oh, yeah, (laughs) I'll take can I have two? <laughs> well, it won't be exactly for nothing. Let me explain, Les. The model year, 2021, Cadillac Escalade. Now, typically, now, now a first for the Escalade is it's going to be offered with an optional three-liter turbo diesel that will uh, actually come in place of the 6.2-liter V8 and typically, when you get a diesel, it means more money. mean sometimes it means yeah. four or five thousand dollars more in the price. Yeah, typically front. it's at least three. And in this case, uh, the three liter tur- turbo diesel, which uh, you look at the numbers of this thing, uh, the six point2 liter uh, V8 produces 420 horsepower and 460 pound feet of torque. That's the the gas engine. The 3-liter turbo diesel, so less than half the size, is rated at 277 horsepower, but 460 pound-feet of torque. (laughs) So the Mm. same torque with less than half of the displacement. Typically, that engine would be uh, obviously an optional engine, and it is an optional engine, but here it is a no- cost option i think that's a brilliant marketing move i think so too i think so too and it's uh, diesels are all about torque the torque numbers match the much bigger gas engine um and you know it's going to move that big mass around now (laughs) what else sure is, is what's what else is big about the 2021 Uh, Cadillac Escalade is it starts at $76,195. That's only $1,000 more expensive than the outgoing Model Les Jackson. That's close to what I paid for my first house. The sport-level trim will go for $85,595, while the premium level starts at $85,695. With the performance package and the platinum trim, Les... Uh, with uh, mm-hmm. which will be available as an optional package for the premium, luxury, and sport trims, starts at $101,745. Uh, floor mats extra. <laughs> That's right. But you have to pay extra for heated seats. No, uh, I think they'll probably throw them in at that point. Pretty
1: much, pretty much all there. Um, I guess you would
0: object if I called it the Diesel-Aid. <laughs> yeah that is uh that is a lot of money but the diesel is real interesting now i'm sure what will be interesting here is for silverado and some of the others you know this is still going to be a cost-added uh power plant i would imagine it's not going to be across the board uh wherever whatever platform it's in it's just a no-cost option except in the cadillac escalade uh and i'm not even sure if this will also uh, be a no-cost option in the tahoe and the yukon we'll have to see but uh, yeah i think probably not you think probably not all right wonder
1: what the fuel mileage is
0: not known at this point not known hey uh you're a fan of Cadillac wagons. Remember the CTS-V wagon? It was... I, I just loved it.
1: Uh, you know, why I, I just please do it. Please bring it back.
0: So, appearing on Auto Line After Hours, uh, the Cadillac chief engineer, Brandon Vivian, was asked by a listener if the automaker was able to make a business case for a wagon of the 2020 Cadillac CT5V. Uh, and uh, he, he said, so I will tell you, I've been looking at many, many, many uh, this at, at this many, many, many times. Nothing to announce right now, but certainly when you see the enthusiasm of our customers and when I'm out there talking to our customers, to our V-Lab, uh, to our V-Club members, there's an absolute fanaticism about V-Wagons and wagons in general. Uh how Hmm. now they're pop they're still popular now they say the used ones sell almost at msrp um what do you think will we see some of these in the future
1: i have to believe it i mean if the used ones are selling at msrp then there's a huge market for them
0: yeah yeah we'll have we'll have to see i mean i love them uh i just think they're an acquired taste for for some people but it's certainly a great family vehicle for someone that wants a performance car uh, but needs to haul things. So so there you have it. Um, some vehicles are being delayed less uh, due to the coronavirus, including um, the electric Hummer. Its debut was to happen very soon now and uh, originally scheduled for May 20th. But here's the problem. They haven't built the prototype yet because uh of the closures due to the coronavirus well
1: um i think we have to have to have expected this uh and and why would you introduce something new right now
0: and uh also uh the it was announced that the jeep grand wagoneer their full size big uh Jeep that is bigger than the Grand Cherokee will be delayed another year. Uh, and then uh, this was a reveal I was invited to for the New York Auto Show. <laughs> uh, very swoopy looking Acura car, the TLX, uh, completely redesigned. Beautiful lines to this car. Uh, that has been delayed as well, but they say, the folks over at Acura, that it will probably be revealed. Uh, digitally, uh, virtually, uh, sometime soon. And they had an event all planned for that. I remember I had the invite and was like, yeah, that sounds good. Looking forward. Uh,
1: Yeah. I just got a Kia invite for this coming week for a virtual reveal. Pretty cool. Uh,
0: cool.
1: I forgot which one it was, but I (laughs) certainly will will, uh, tune it in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, let's talk a little tech, shall we? Yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, something that while people are out burning 5G towers, please don't do that. It does not <laughs> cause the coronavirus. Uh, you've seen that, right? People are burning yes. 5G towers. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like, it's like the, the, the villagers back in the vampire days. <laughs> where, where are they getting their information? I don't know. But anyway, 5G technology will allow something uh, to happen to cars that's been happening in the aerospace sector for a while. It will allow your car to self-diagnose itself and tell you, hey, you know, your, your, brake, your brake pads are getting a little low. You ought to schedule service. Or I'm, uh, I'm noticing a bad sensor. Or I notice a weird sound in the engine. It could be this. And it could theoretically even take the next step of making an appointment for you with the dealer. Or it could even download new software on its own to fix the problem, if it's an electronic problem.
1: Uh, I believe that's going to happen universally.
0: I also think it will be part of the warranty that you'll have to do that, have to have Yeah, this. yeah. Uh, it, it will monitor emissions. If the emissions get too high, it will schedule an appointment. Um, and uh, the first of this will be BMW will have a 5G-compatible car, which will be its iNext SUV before the end of 2021. At least that's the plan now. And Samsung announced a partnership with BMW at CES, do just this and at the 2020 edition of it uh no details on it but this this is going to happen um so don't don't burn down the 5g towers (laughs) please because we need that this will be pretty good hey when we come back we are going to celebrate the 56th birthday of ford's mustang 56 years ago Pretty cool. We'll talk about Mustangs through the years and a whole lot more. So stay tuned to Cruise Control Radio. We'll be right back. Cruise Control Radio goes live every Saturday starting at 10 a.m. Eastern. To listen, click the link on our homepage. Go to www.cruisecontrolradio.com. Cruise control. And welcome back to Cruise Control Radio, your on-air automotive magazine with Fred Staub and Les Jackson. We're glad we have you along for the ride. Big week for America's pony car, the Mustang, 56 years young. Lot of history there, and when we want to talk blue oval history, we talk to Ted Ryan, who is the heritage and brand manager for Ford, the guy that has his fingers less on the archives all the cool yes. pictures he has all he he's like one of those guys with a big uh uh, uh loop of keys on his belt cuz he knows has all the keys to all the great vintage photos and information isn't isn't that right ted
2: it is i've got the best job in the world i get to talk about Board motor company history i get to keep our collection with its 1.5 million photos, 10,000 videos, and millions of documents, including one that I've got saved to my computer. It's the one from uh, August of '63 where they the Mustang's not even out yet, but they think they have a winner. They want to increase uh, plant production uh, because they, they think the car is going to be more popular than an initial estimate. So I think that's telling on the Mustang that America's best-selling sports car of the last 50 years, even from its very beginning, uh, they thought they had a winner with it
0: now, Les and I have two different memories of the Mustang. I remember the World's Fair sitting. I believe I was sitting in one in, you know the display where it drove you around um, through uh, I remember, like dinosaurs and all kinds of stuff like that. and And then, Les, you remember waiting for it. It was a big buildup. And I asked Les, Uh, Off air, I said, Les, did did they, (laughs) they didn't have like, you know, uh, uh, you know, teaser photos or even spy photos of this back then. What did they do? And he said there were some drawings that he saw. Uh, Yeah.
1: And the dealership uh, windows were covered in brown craft paper. And uh, the entire showroom, when they opened the doors, uh, was filled with Mustangs. That's by the way the first right. one. Those, that those I...
2: stories ring exactly true with what we've got in our archives. The, the Mustang was debuted at the New York World's Fair in 1964 on April the 17th. So yesterday was its official birthday, and they had, I believe it was eight Mustang coupes that were on a track mm-hmm. uh, that would go around the the interactive display that you saw. That was actually designed in part by Disney, uh, and then the dealers. They were given teasers because they were trying to keep it secret. Although the media was calling it the worst kept secret, because everybody <laughs> knew what was coming. Uh, and then a couple of days later, Ford did the, uh, a first. They bought out uh, the same advertising slot on all three networks. There were only three networks back then, and showed the introductory Mustang ad, uh, which closed with its uh, the stunning price reveal of only twenty. I think twenty four forty eight uh, was the price. Uh, and uh, there was a 90% penetration across America of people who, who had heard about the Mustang based on that reveal. And it was worth revealing. It was a groundbreaking car. Yeah. We have a famous paper was. in our archives called The Market Looking for a Car. And that's what a market was looking for, a sporty car like the Mustang.
0: And and then you just drop the bomb at the end of the uh, commercial. Like, oh, and people are like, oh, yeah, that's great, but it's going to cost so much. And then you, then you hit them with the price and like, wow, I could do that.
2: In one it of the was... field trials, and we had the paperwork they had, they invited 50 couples who each had two children, so families of four, and they brought them in to look at the car, and they were, they were hemming and hawing, yeah, it's a beautiful car, and it looks great, you know, but, but it's not practical. The back seat's too small. You can't fit the kids in. You can't fit this. And then they told them the price, and of the 50 couples, almost all 50 of them then found a way to rationalize that they could make the car work. My dad <laughs> was one of those. My dad bought a 1965 yellow mustang with a brown interior 289 engine having two kids <laughs> wow so my <laughs> my first ride was in the back of his yellow 1965 mustang oh
0: that's cool that's cool yeah um and i think i told you before ted my my favorite version was the fastback it always was i thought i thought the car looked great there once again looked completely different than anything out there and and through the years I mean, it's an enduring model. Um, in it, it's gone through many gyrations. You, if you go over to our Facebook page, I made a little montage of some of Ford's uh, press photos of it. Um, and uh, you know, jumping ahead, this might be a weird way to jump ahead because we're jumping over the '70s, which I like. I like the '70s Mustangs a lot. Um, and it got a little big in, uh, I think it was '71 or '72. Uh, I, when the Mustang 2 came out, Les, I didn't think it was bad. I know it was based on the Pinto, but the way it looked pretty cool, it looked very retro for its time, didn't it? Yeah, I
1: thought it was was actually an attractive car. Um, it, it didn't, you know, it, it wasn't a super high performance. No. But it it held on to that Mustang look.
0: Yeah, and I remember, Ted, seeing uh it was a Jack Jack Roush he Wayne Gap and Jack Roush they had a Mustang 2 pro stock car and it looked darn good in that trim it was a nice shape that once again the fast back of it but you just don't see many of them around either in stock or or modified forms
2: anymore do you Ted well he- I do because I deal with the clubs all the time, Okay, and there's more than 300 uh, collector clubs, enthusiast clubs uh, online that are registered with Ford with 50,000 members, and we go to their meetups. Right now, I'm proudly wearing a Woodward Dream Cruise Mustang Alley t-shirt, the official t-shirt from last year. Uh, in the spirit of getting into so I, I see more of, the, of these than, than you guys might. I'm on your Facebook page. You nice little photo gallery there. Oh thank you. The, but to me hmm. the DNA uh, you you've got a new follower, so I'm now following you. Excellent the, the DNA yeah. of the Mustang with the with the long hood, the short back or the short back, uh, the fastback look in particular. my if I had could go back and pick a single Mustang in time and my wife and I argued about this we'll discuss this yesterday. I would take the GT350 from 1965 with the Shelby colors and Wimbledon White and Guardsman Blue, Uh, whereas she was more along the lines of the 68 Fastback, uh, you know, a la bullet. So everybody has their favorite Mustang, and that's what the beauty is of the Mustang is it can be any car to anybody.
0: And, you know, it's it's so many different genres of it, Les. Fox body Mustangs, there are so many of them. You go to a drag race, they're everywhere, you know, because... There's so many parts available. There's so many of them available. And I remember when they came out, and at that time, with the TRX wheels and stuff like that, they were like a hot number. That's, that's, I think, one of the first cars, if I'm correct, the 302, actually, with the manual transmission, actually went over 200 horsepower from the factory. I think it was like 205 or something like that. And that was a big, big, big deal at the time.
2: Just think of what they're doing today, where they the, the, <laughs> some of the newest Mustang with the performance packs are barely street legal. And, and you know, I talked about enthusiasts. One of the other things, there's actually 12 enthusiast models available now because people love their cars. You can get a uh, the Mustang Bullet, which my dad drove me around on the Mustang Bullet two years ago at Dream Cruise. The, the new Mustang Shelby GT350 and GT500s, uh, Ford is can customize the Mustang for the enthusiasts, and you can get whatever relative speed, whatever relative power that you want. My Mustang in my driveway right now is a plain old 2020 uh, Velocity Blue, but it's automatic, and it's just a a V6. But it it still has plenty of pop. It has exactly as much pop as I want when my teenage boys get in and and drive it. I don't want them in a GT350. I
1: had had two 65 convertibles, and a friend of mine, when, when I had the second one, uh, and this was in '79. He liked it so much that he went out and bought a '79 Mustang four-cylinder turbo. Yeah, I remember that. Which was kind of rare. Yeah. Uh, and it was—you know—it wasn't a great car, but it was interesting.
0: But the current four-cylinder turbo Mustang is oh, a great yeah. car. Yeah, that is. Oh yeah. That is a lot of fun, uh, Ted. Do you like
2: that one? I do, and because you can have exactly as much power as you want in the different modes for those of your listeners who have never driven a Mustang, you can vary your modes. You can be in sport mode, you can be in normal mode. The show, you can uh, change modes on your steering and put it into sport steering or track steering and it tightens up the steering wheel and your turn. you know you can make the car, even just with with the the mode changes within the Mustang do exactly what you want it to do. And then I've driven a couple of the high performance ones and it's almost too much car for me. I and you know, I, I don't need that much car. I've got exactly as much <laughs> car as I want with with the Boost engine and the and the turbos.
0: Yeah, yeah. We have to give a shout out to uh, our uh, program director at KION because he restored. Uh, what year was that last was it a 66 and he kept
1: it was yeah oh. 66 fastback right
0: uh no it's a i believe it's a convertible i know he's going to start emailing me right now but he kept pretty soon he kept the uh straight six in it and did some performance mods to to do something uh a little bit different and uh that's pretty cool yeah uh so we shout out to kion one of our great affiliates here on cruise control radio I'm Fred Staub. He's Les Jackson. We're going to be right back with more from Ted Ryan, who is the heritage and brand manager for Ford. We'll be right back. Cruise Control Radio goes live every Saturday starting at 10 a.m. Eastern. To listen, click the link on our homepage. Go to www.cruisecontrolradio.com. Cruise Control. Welcome back to Cruise Control Radio, your on-air automotive magazine, Fred Stobb, Les Jackson, Ted Ryan. Yeah, Ted Ryan, who is the Heritage yes. and Brad Manager for Ford. We were celebrating, or are celebrating, uh, the 56th birthday of uh, the Mustang, the Ford Mustang. This was uh, Ford Mustang Day, April 17th. Um, Last year we celebrated it, I believe, at the New York Auto Show, which was uh, which was fun. I think they, I think Ford popped for some hot dogs that day, Ted. Um, but uh, we should let's just crunch some numbers on the Mustang. It is sold in an incredible number of countries uh, around the world, and uh, the the six, This is the sixth generation Mustang. Global exports began only in 2015. Probably people thought they were around the world for many years before that, but it only started in 2015, right?
2: That's correct. You could get the occasional one shipped over. I know uh, the Heritage Collection for Ford and, and England has a couple that were imported in England. Uh, but since that 2015 date, 633,000 Mustangs have been sold in 146 countries around the world. Wow. That, that's just staggering to me. Wow. but in a way, it's like all these different countries buying into the pony car concept. What does the Mustang mean? They want to bring a little bit of the American pony car scene to their local countries, and it's just amazingly popular around the world.
0: Yeah, what uh, you you were telling us during the break about color, colors? What and you have some color uh, numbers. What have been the popular colors? throughout the year.
2: Hey, do, do you want to play a guessing game or do you want me just to tell you? The, the, no, the three most guessing. popular colors of all time. What would you what would you think they are?
0: I would say white, red, and black. I would exactly. say Wimbledon ding, ding, White. Ding. Uh,
1: I don't think red. Uh I, and I don't think black. I think blue and and uh, possibly possibly green.
2: Said. actually it's white red and black <laughs> white there have been more than well, a million uh <laughs> white mustangs sold. 1,247,000 black there's 1,050,000 uh silver's up close with 500,000 but red uh is almost a million as well so it it's interesting and then if you go by decades the most popular color in the 60s was blue which stunned me i would have thought it would have been white Mm-hmm. Most popular color in the 90s was red. Mm-hmm. Uh, most popular color in the 80s was red. Mm-hmm. So we we do the research, trying to, to see if there's trends over time, and we track it. But the other number on the Mustang is that that stuns me is that the original Mustang, the the radio was an option. And of all the Mustangs that were sold, of the first million Mustangs that were sold. Uh, Hundred and eighty thousand. I think, believe it's one hundred and eighty thousand were sold without radios. Radio? I, was, I read that number. and I was like, Why would you buy a Mustang and not get a radio? <laughs> That's so it was right and, and The is, option was what, maybe twelve dollars that, or something. That, it was ten dollars. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's why would you do
0: that? Wow, wow. Maybe it's maybe they were just buying a car that was brought into the dealer that way. But I don't even know if they would do that. I think they would figure no, everyone wants a radio.
2: Yeah, you would select your option kit before you—you you know, the dealer did have a certain number, uh, but more people bought Mustangs with white walls than bought Mustangs with radios. Uh, I think I would go in reverse. I'd get a radio before I'd get white walls. Yeah,
0: on. I agree. <laughs> no, mine had both. <laughs> <laughs> Deluxe model, yeah. That's right. Well, uh, what other interesting things that have you gone through in the archives that stand out about the Mustang? I mean— Probably when this was being developed, uh, it had to be super secret, right? It had to be done like in the sub-basement of some design place, and and you probably had to uh, have uh, high clearance to see it.
2: It did. It was the most unsecret, secret secret project ever. And everybody in the industry knew that Ford was up to something because we built three prototypes that we very publicly displayed. We built the Mustang 1. Uh, which looks like a – Google that one. It's a cool-looking car. It looks like the the Speed Racer car. It was a mid-engine, two-seater, Wimbledon white and blue stripe down the middle. Uh, And we took that to college campuses. And we did the Allegro, uh, which was another fastback, long-hood model. And that one had an interesting feature. The seats were fixed, and it was the gas pedals and the steering wheels that moved. So when you got in the car – you open the door and the, the gas pedals were, were tucked away and the steering wheel was tucked away. When you, when you sat down, you pushed a, a button and they came to you. Wow. And then the Mustang II, which is before the Mustang II, was was a longer version of a fastback Mustang. And all of these were showcased between 1962 and 1964. They'd taken the college campuses and, and get the feel from people of what they were, were interested in. So the design of the Mustang echoed those three concept cars. The interesting thing too is is some of our early styling, but it has a cougar on the uh, on the grill. The cougar was one of the names that was being considered for the Mustang, uh, but they decided that the Mustang you know, uh, unbreakable spirit, uh, and and fast and light was a better name for the car.
0: You know, Ted, talking about names. Your name came up recently in a lot of automotive press about this uh, Mach Two project. It was the mid-engine Mustang and you had a photo it it looked like a mustang, it looked like the quarter panels of a mustang but the rest of it had been taken off and they were working on building a uh, kind of a sporty front end on it um and uh you kind of researched that whole thing and figured out what it was right
2: i did and i've got to give total credit to my team while uh <clears throat> on background. So, if anybody's seen this photo, it's interesting, and you'll see a photo of a, of a frame of a car, and then below it, you'll see a negative number. It'll say S and then dash and then a number, and then below that, a date. That's part of what we call the styling negs, and we have more than 350,000 of those styling negs uh, that were that represent, you know, what the work that was going on. At the end of every single day, they would they would take a photograph of what was in the styling studio. So, this particular styling neg showed up as a mystery. They sent it to my team. I got a good total credit. Jamie Myler is my research archivist. He's forgotten more about Ford Motor Company and Mustang than I'll ever learn. And Jamie took one look at it and said, I think this is the mock 2. This shouldn't be. So, he sent it around to some of the clay persons, uh via guy uh, named Jim Farrell, who actually wrote the book on Ford design. And uh, we, uh, got one of the clay designers, a guy, Bud, Bud Malgogi, if I'm saying his name correctly, identified and, and remembered having worked on it. Wow. Uh, mm. uh, so he identified it as Mach 2. The mystery came because there were actually two Mach 2s, a 67 version of the, of the Mach 2 and a 70 version of the Mach 2, which was going to be Ford's first ever mid-engine two-seater production car. Uh, The prototypes were built in fiberglass. The 67 version looked distinctly different from the 70. So the frame that was being shown as the mystery was actually the frame for the 67 version, not the more well-known 70 version. Wow. Talk about researching I'm going to you with the story, but to me, it's fascinating, and and I can't take any credit. Jamie from my staff identified a Jim Farrell, who wrote the book on Ford design, and then Bud, uh, who has turned into a pen pal. He's helped me identify a couple of other cars in the interim. Uh, everybody played a role in, in in helping us answer this question
0: because he was there. That's amazing. It's like, oh yeah, I remember yeah, right. working that. <laughs> oh
1: yeah, we did that. Yeah,
0: I all I could say it, is it looked like it was a Mustang at one time because the quarter panels looked like Mustang, but that it was it was a really good. That's detective exactly what thing.
2: Jamie said. Jamie took one look and he said, "This is going to throw everybody off because the rear sheet metal looks like Mustang, but it's not." And mm-hmm. you know, I I trust him way more than I trust myself. And it took him a little bit of digging and he found the other photos and we shared the other photos and, and Bud was Bud identified it and he knew it because he was working on it because he had just gotten married and he needed the overtime. And it was an overtime <laughs> wow. project being done in secret and it's being done in the engineering lab, not the styling lab. Wow. So he had a very distinct memory of, of that car.
0: Ted, thanks for taking us behind the scenes uh, and celebrating the Ford Mustang. We appreciate it. We'll have to have you back to talk about the history of Ford. It's amazing. And, uh, hey, we're glad you've been listening to Cruise Control Radio. Check us out at CruiseControlRadio.com. I'm Fred Stobb. I'm Les Jackson. We're going to see you down the road. Bye. Cruise Control Radio is your on-air automotive magazine. Go to www.CruiseControlRadio.com for more information.